This is the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. We come to you in the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Son of the Most High Yahweh. Tune in each week to hear teachings directly from Scripture, focused upon believing in the Father, His Son, and the holy and righteous law of our Creator. At the end of this broadcast, we will give you the web address whereby you may contact us for further scriptural information. How do the heavens tell the glory of Elohim? It says, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Listen to this next verse in relation to what I've explained so far. Day to day pours forth speech. What is it telling us? Well, it's telling us things like the hours of the day speaking to us. And night to night reveals knowledge. How? The day of the moon? The feasts? The certain constellation that you might be in in that season? There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard, but you, quote unquote, listen to them talk to you by visually seeing them. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world in them. And that in them goes back to the heavens. In the heavens, he has placed a tent for the sun. For the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. He's excited. He's getting married. Right? This is talking about sunrise. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber in excitement. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Parallel this with Judges 5.31. Judges 5.31 talks about that at sunrise, the sun shows forth its strength. It's like it bursts forth onto the scene. Just like this, this athlete that runs the course or the bridegroom that's very excited about his beautiful bride that he's about to marry. This is what the sun is doing. He comes on the scene there at sunrise. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit, that word circuit is tekufa, a word that has to do with equinoxes and solstices, and listen to what it says, and it's circuit to the other end of them. Remember what I explained at the beginning of the sermon? How the sun rises always in the east, but not always due east, sometimes northeast, and then sometimes it goes all the way to the other end, southeast. That's what Psalm 19 is talking about. The sun's rising is from one end of the heavens, and it's circuit to Kufa to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from his heat. So here we have another image to help us understand. We have four tekufa in the year, and each of them begin a particular season of the year. Here, right in the middle, we have spring and fall equinox, right around March 21 and September 22. In the winter, we have a tekufa on December 21st. That's the winter solstice. And in the summer, on June 21st, we have the summer solstice, which is another tekufa. Four tekufa in the year. Which one of these tekufa, which one of these particular turnings of the sun fits best for the Feast of Ingathering? Well, it certainly can't be the spring equinox because the spring equinox is tied to the barley and the first lunar month. Tabernacles is not in the first lunar month. It's in the seventh lunar month. So it can't be the spring equinox. So We can cross that one. Process of elimination, we cross that one. Don't you remember getting those tests when you had multiple choice? Didn't you love those multiple choice? Or you didn't have to come up with the answer? So we have multiple choice, so we're crossing off spring equinox. No, that one won't fit for the Feast of Ingathering. It can't be the summer solstice 
because the summer solstice is only about 91 days after the spring equinox. That's too soon to be the seventh lunar month. Spring, 91 days later, you can't be at the seventh month yet. Summer solstice, we cross that out. You know the one that fits perfectly? The fall equinox. It fits perfectly. The winter solstice is too far. But the fall equinox fits beautifully. And I believe Exodus 34.22 is saying that the Feast of Ingathering, that is tabernacles, is to be kept at the Hebrew Tekufa, Latin equinox. In English, we might say on the Gregorian calendar, September the 22nd. It's interesting when you look at the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. Same identical verse, Exodus 34.22. Hebrew says at the Tekufa of the year. The Septuagint says at the middle of the year. When you look at the spring equinox, all the way back to the spring equinox, if you were to put a turning right in the middle, you know when it would be? At the fall equinox. Because you have approximately 182 days from spring equinox to fall equinox and approximately another 182 days back to the spring equinox, which equals about 364 days, roughly 365. On my documentary, I show an ancient pyramid that was built a long time ago by the, I believe it might have been the Aztecs, I can't remember. A lot of people track the path of the sun. But this pyramid had four sides on it. And the four sides are now believed to represent the four seasons of the year. This is fascinating. Each side had 91 steps. 91 times 4 is 364. Then there was a top step that equaled 365. That blow you away. This pyramid was built in such a way as to show when the equinoxes took place. I'd have to show you the video. You can look at it on YouTube, and I think it will fascinate you. Let's move on. Let's go on to uh, the second part that made me rethink my position. The first one was Exodus 34:22 to keep the Feast of Tabernacles at the fall equinox. I knew that that's what Exodus 34:22 taught, but I never put two and two together. You'll see what I'm saying. Philo, the Decalogue, 161. Who is Philo? Let me say this. The reason Philo is so important is because Philo was a Levite, Israelite man. Secondly, the reason Philo is so important is because Philo lived, he was born before Yeshua the Messiah. He lived during Yeshua's life, and he still lived years after the Messiah died. So he lived before, during, and after the time of the Messiah. And Philo relates to us in his writings, ancient writings, about when the Israelites kept the appointed festivals of Yahweh. Now, this is how we know that Philo had to be correct in what he's relating to us. We know this because Yeshua lived at that time. And the Messiah never committed sin. Let me go ahead and talk about the Messiah a little bit in this sermon. He needs to get in all of them. He never committed sin. Part of that means he had to have kept Yahweh's festivals perfectly. Because sin is transgression of the law. It's a sin to not keep Yahweh's festivals. So, Yeshua had to keep Yahweh's festivals perfectly. And Philo tells us, this is how we kept them during the time that I lived. And the Messiah lived at the same time. So we know that he has to be telling us the accurate, proper way. 
following the Decalogue 161 says, to seven, he gives the chief feasts, and he is talking about Yahweh, prolonged for many days. Two feasts, that is for the two equinoxes, each lasting seven days. What are the chief feasts here, the long feasts? Unleavened bread and tabernacles. Both of them last seven days. This is what Philo's talking about. And notice Philo says the two feasts, that is for the two equinoxes, each lasting seven days, the first in the spring to celebrate the ripeness of the sown crops. That's what happens, isn't it, in the spring, the ripeness of the sown crops. And the second in the autumn, that is the fall, for the ingathering, notice there's our word, Exodus thirty-four twenty-two, feast of ingathering, of all the tree fruits. Also, seven days were naturally assigned to the seven months of each equinox. I'll talk about that more uh, a little bit later. This passage in Philo only makes sense if the feasts, that is, unleavened bread and tabernacles, were kept in close proximity to the spring and the fall equinox. It would only make sense. Here's another one from Philo in his work called Flaccus, section 14, parentheses 116, from Young's translation. He says this, For it was the general festival of the Judahites at the time of the autumnal equinox, fall equinox, during which it is the custom of the Judahites to live in tents. Now, I think the last one was very plain, the one I just read before. This one's even plainer. What festival do the Judahite Israelites live in tents? What festival is that? The Feast of Tabernacles. That is the Feast of Ingathering. Philo says it's at the time of the autumnal equinox. Very, very plain. What we would call September 22nd. Sukkot in Hebrew. Now, I know that Philo didn't call it September 22nd, but that's what we would call it. It's not tied to September 22nd. That's just when it falls on our Gregorian calendar. You see what I'm saying? This calendar on the screen here shows the month of March 2013. We're about to enter into this month. And it shows the phases of the moon on the month. We will have a new moon, a conjunction happen on March 11th. The new moon period will last through March the 12th. Uh, the next new moon, our Sabbaths, I don't like to say our Sabbaths will move because our Sabbaths are fixed in the heavens. One time somebody asked me, they said, Brother Matthew, I can't accept the way that you keep the Sabbath because you switch it every month. I said, well, I'm not switching anything. The reason it looks like it switches is because it only switches on the modern Gregorian calendar. It stays the same in the sky, the same Sabbath every month in the sky. Okay, so we're going to have a new moon here. On the 12th, we have the spring equinox happen on March the 20th. I had previously calculated this as the 13th moon. And I still believe that sometimes you have 13 moons rise in one solar year. But I had previously calculated this as the 13th moon and bypassed this full moon time period right here, which notice, remember, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is kept on the 15th day of the first moon, Full moon, just like tabernacles, right? Here this full moon is in very close proximity to the spring equinox. Well, I had bypassed that on my previous calculations for 15 years. Yahweh's merciful. You can say amen. Here is the month of April. This is when I had calculated for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Previously. I don't have it like this anymore. I had this calculated for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Notice the next new moon that rose was not until April 10th and 11th, 
which places our Passover, April 24th, Passover meal that night, Feast of Unleavened Bread, first Sabbath starts on April 25th, about 35 days after the spring equinox. That's problematic. I haven't got into that yet. I will in a second. But that in itself is problematic. But according to what we've learned so far about the Feast of Ingathering happening at the fall equinox from first the Bible, secondarily a very astute man, a Levite Israelite named Philo, notice what would have happened next. When we got to the fall, this is September. I originally had September the 6th as the 6th new moon, 6th month on the biblical calendar. Fall equinox happens, remember like we said, September 22nd. And here we have uh, the full moon right around in this time. And I had bypassed this. And I had the Feast of Tabernacles not taking place, not even beginning until October the 20th, 28 days after the fall equinox. Now, it makes more sense to me that if the Feast of Ingathering slash Tabernacles is to be kept at the time of the fall equinox, it makes more sense that it will be kept at the time of the fall equinox which would be right here, overlapping the fall equinox. The Feast of Tabernacles, how I have it calculated now, and I believe it's proper, starts on September the 20th and moves through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days of the feast, and then we have the Sabbath there on the eighth day, right there at the fall equinox. You say, Brother Matthew, how did you not see this for 15 years? Well, I don't know. You know, I have no clue. But you know what? Yahweh is sovereign, and he has reasons, and I don't question him, and I don't dwell on the past, right? I dwell on the future and the knowledge that Yahweh blesses us with now. One preacher told me a long time ago, and it's become a common knowledge and saying now, when the enemy tries to remind you of your past, you remind him or them of the future. And this applies to this doctrine too. Just because we've been wrong on something don't mean we need to beat ourselves up about it. I didn't miscalculate anything on purpose. It was a sin of ignorance, and there's a difference. Yahweh knew I was trying, but for whatever reason, he has just now revealed this to me through the pamphlet that Brother Arnold gave me, going back to the Scriptures and also the writings of Philo. This is why, Brother Leon, this is why what you said is so important. We have to be patient with people and long-suffering. Because where you might be dealing with one issue... I might be dealing with this issue. And we don't lord over the heritage of Yahweh. I don't get up here and browbeat everybody to try to make them believe like I do. I preach the Bible, and then I let the chips fall where they may, because I could be right or wrong. I've been wrong for 15 years, I believe. Now, in reality, and let me explain this before I move along. Out of those 15 years, we actually only kept the feast wrong about six years. This is why. Originally, I had the criteria as being the spring equinox had to happen first, and then the next new moon after was ABIB 1. However, sometimes, like last year, remember last year in the feast, the spring equinox happened on March the 20th, and the new moon happened on March the 22nd, and the feast happened on April the 4th. I think it was Passover was on April the 4th, which is only less about 11 or 12 days after the equinox, and that's probably an extreme where it would go furthest away from the equinox. But we were still keeping it proper because when we went down to the fall, we were still keeping the Feast of Tabernacles right there at in close proximity to the fall equinox. 
So some years, 9 out of 15, I believe that we got it right. 6 out of 15, though, I believe that we got it wrong. I believe that I miscalculated that as I'm usually the one to make the calendar. Sometimes you'll be as much as 45 days with my previous calculations after the fall equinox because of the fluctuation of the lunar month within the solar calendar. And that can't be right. It doesn't line up with the Bible or with what Philo, our Levite friend, tells us. Here's another quote from Philo in his work on the creation, parentheses 116. Beautiful quote. Listen carefully. The sun, S-U-N, the great Lord of the day. Now, why does Philo call the sun the great Lord of the day? Because it rules by day. So it's the Lord, it's the master of the day. Bringing about two equinoxes each year in spring and in autumn. Notice the spring equinox, and this is where the third piece of the puzzle comes in. The spring equinox in the constellation of the ram. The Latin word is Aries. Once again, don't let these constellation names scare you. Yahweh actually names constellations when he's talking to Job in Job 38, 31 through 33. Remember when Job kind of says some wrong things to Yahweh? And Yahweh looks at Job or says to Job, he says, look, who are you? Can you loose the belt of Orion? This is Yahweh speaking. Orion is one of the constellations in the night sky. Can you fasten the chains of the Pleiades? The Pleiades is a cluster of stars found in the neck of the constellation of Taurus the bull. And then he says, can you lead the bear and her cubs? Do you know what the bear and the cubs are? It's what we call the big and the little dipper. Yahweh created these things. He names these constellations. He says, can you bring out the constellations in their seasons, Job? We call it Zodiac. Zodiac sounds like a bad word. I remember when I was little one time, I seen a program on TV with a guy named the Zodiac Killer. And so now when I think of the word Zodiac, I associate that with that program. But Zodiac only means, it comes from an Arabic word that means way or path. All it's talking about is the sun taking a path through the constellations every year. It goes through one constellation every month, every solar month. Twelve total. Twelve tribes of Israel. Hallelujah. You remember that passage in Revelation chapter 12? Revelation 12, 1? John the Revelator saw this woman, and it says that she was clothed in the sun. She had the moon under her feet. Foundation. Moon. Sun. Moon. Calendar. And she had a crown of stars on her head. And listen, it's not a coincidence that it says that the crown was 12 stars, 12 tribes, 12 months. Brothers and sisters, it all fits together. It's wonderful. So Philo says the spring equinox is in the constellation of the ram and the autumn equinox in that of the scales. I mentioned this to Brother TJ last week. He thought I was talking about scaling the fish. No, it's talking about the measuring scales. That's what it's referring to. Libra. That's the autumnal constellation at the, at the fall equinox. Supplies very clear evidence of the sacred dignity of the seventh number for each of the equinoxes occurs in a seventh month, and during them there is enjoined by the law the keeping of the greatest national festivals. Once again, unleavened bread, seven days, tabernacles, seven days. Now, I want you to think with me here. This is where I had missed a piece of the puzzle. For each of the equinoxes occurs in a seventh month. This is not talking about lunar months. This is where I had missed it. 
I had my lunar glasses on. And I needed to take them off and grab my solar glasses and read with my solar glasses for a little while. Because it's not just the moon that determines the calendar. It's the sun and the stars too. The moon's part of it. Follow here when he talks about the equinoxes occurring in the seventh month. Can't be talking about lunar months because lunar months fluctuate throughout the solar cycle. The whole context here is the sun. Notice the sun, the Lord of the day, two equinoxes. What causes the equinoxes? The sun, spring equinox, and the constellation of the ram, Aries. What is that? The sun passing through the constellation. The sun eventually passes through the constellation of Libra. And he says, in these seventh months, that is the month of the ram and the month of the scales, we are to keep the greatest national festivals. Unleavened bread and also the Feast of Tabernacles. This is what Philo is talking about here. And I never saw this until about two weeks ago. And I'm thankful that Yahweh showed this to me. Philo in his Q&A on Exodus book 2 page 125 says this. This is an Israelite man now. He says at each season of the year the sun completes its course through three zodiacal signs. The spring consists of Aries, Taurus, and Gemini. Three months. Not lunar months. Solar months, 30 degrees or 30 days apiece. Remember I talked about 91 days in each season? And again, in the summer, we have Cancer, Leo, Virgo. And in the autumn, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius. And in the winter, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. Once again, don't let these names scare you. These are names that man has placed upon the star formations, but Yahweh placed names on them in Job chapter 38. They're creations of Yahweh. Don't let the abuse that man has done to them turn you away from the proper use that Yahweh has called them and ordained them to do. Here we see a chart. Uh, We have zero degrees over here on your right. SE stands for spring equinox. This is the sign of the rim. 30 degrees traverses the sign of the ram. 30 degrees traverses the sign of the bull, Taurus. 30 degrees traverses the sign of the twins, Gemini. All of these have spiritual meaning too, by the way. I talk about this in my book that I wrote, Look at the Stars. Here's another one where we see here at the very top, Aries the ram. One, two, three. Three solar months in spring. Then we have one, two, three. Three solar months in summer. Then we have Libra, the measuring scales. One, two, three solar months in fall. Then we have one, two, three solar months in winter. Twelve months by the sun, not by the moon. Twelve months by the sun in all. Six months on either side. Philo, Special Laws 187. Listen to what he says here. On the breastplate. He's talking about the breastplate of the high priest. There are twelve precious stones of different colors arranged in four rows of three each. And this is talked about in Exodus 28. Set in this form on the model of the zodiac, for the zodiac consists of 12 signs, makes the four seasons of the year by giving three signs to each. You know what those stones also stand for? The 12 tribes of Israel. Philo Special Laws 1172, Colson's translation. But on each seventh day, loaves are exposed on the holy table. What are these loaves? The showbread. The bread of the presence. Equal in number to the months of the year in two layers of six each. In other words, you've got six pieces of bread here, six pieces of bread here. What does that represent? Not only the six signs of the zodiac on each side, but also the twelve tribes of Israel. 
Do you know that the high priest, a lot of people don't know this, but my children and I were studying about the priestly garments not long ago, I guess maybe a year or two ago. Not only did the high priest have a breastplate with 12 stones, but he also had two shoulder stones. On this stone was written six names of the children of Israel. On this stone was written six other names of the children of Israel. All goes back to the children of Israel. Remember, remember the dream that Joseph had? Jacob Israel's the father, Rachel's the mother, the 12 sons there, the tribes of Israel. It's beautiful. Let's continue the quote. But on each seventh day, loaves are exposed on the holy table, equal in number to the months of the year, in two layers of six each, each layer corresponding to the equinoxes. For there are two equinoxes in each year, in spring and autumn, with intervals, the sum of which is six months. In other words, if you start at the spring equinox and you count solar months through the constellations, you have six solar months, boom. Then you come to the fall equinox and you have another six solar months, boom, and you're back at the spring equinox. That's what Philo's talking about. When he uses the word months, we do not need to assume that he always means lunar months. Sometimes he means solar months. Sometimes he does mean lunar. We'll get to that in a second. Here is a portion of a new article that I've written. And right in the middle, I put, Notice how that both Aries, that is the ram, and Libra, the scales, can be termed seventh months, depending on where you begin counting. If you start counting with the solar month of Aries, where the sun passes through Aries, that's month number one. By the time you get to Libra, that'll be a seventh month. But if you start counting with Libra, by the time you get to Aries, that'll be a seventh month. These are the seventh months, the seventh solar months, that Philo is referring to in his writings, I believe. Once again, Philo on the creation. Let's read this again. The sun too, the great lord of the day, bringing about two equinoxes each year in spring and autumn, the spring equinox and the constellation of the ram and the autumn equinox and that of the scales, supplies very clear evidence of the sacred dignity of the seventh number for each of the equinoxes occurs in a seventh month. Now we understand it. Not a seventh lunar month, but a seventh solar month. And during them, during what? These seventh solar months, there is enjoined by law the keeping of the greatest national festivals. Look what Josephus writes. Josephus is another friend of ours from the tribes of Israel. And... He lived after the time of the Messiah, but in the first century A.D. He recorded the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Josephus also wrote about the timing of the Passover, and he says in the month of Xanthicus, you might wonder what in the world is that? That's the Macedonian name for the first month. But he says, which is by us called Nisan. Nisan was the Babylonian name for the month of Abib. It's mentioned twice in the Bible. One time in the book of Esther, and another time in the book of Nehemiah. Same month, just a different name, Babylonian name. So which is by us called Nisan and is the beginning of our year, Hebrew year, Israelite year, on the 14th day of the, notice Josephus says the lunar month. 14th day of the lunar month. He's writing key with scripture there. Because scripture says the Passover, and you'll see that's what he's talking about, the Passover sacrifice is on the 14th day of the moon of Abib. But then he says... When the sun, the great Lord of the day, is in Aries, the ram. There's a three-part harmony here. You ever heard somebody sing a three-part harmony? And it sounds so beautiful because they hit the parts just right. That's what this is. That's what this is. The sun, the moon, and the stars are working in harmony. we got to make sure the sun is at the spring equinox, traversing through the sign of the ram. When the sun is in Aries, Aries is the Latin word for ram. But we've also, we can't just 
keep the Passover right at the spring equinox, we have to wait for something else. And that's the third part of the harmony, and that's the moon. Because it's the 14th day, Josephus says, of the lunar month here. When the sun is in Aries, notice he says the law ordained that we should every year slay the sacrifice, which was called the Passover. So the catch is this. If we say, like I used to, that we must always take the new moon after the spring equinox for Abib 1, then we will sometimes keep tabernacles 28 to 42 days after the fall equinox when we get to the seventh lunar month. We'll also keep Passover sometimes outside of the solar month of Aries the Ram. As a matter of fact, the way that I had it calculated previously, the Passover was after Aries had already taken place. April the 24th is when I originally had the Passover scheduled. I don't now. Now I have it on March the 24th, which guess what? Is in the sign of the Ram when the sun's in Aries at the spring equinox. Lines up perfectly. And we just saw two witnesses to the fact that Passover was kept in the solar month of Aries, and Aries begins at the spring equinox and lasts for 30 degrees through April the 20th. You've been listening to the Ministers of the New Covenant radio broadcast. Our website is ministersnewcovenant.org. That's ministersnewcovenant.org. Please visit our website where you will find hundreds of audio sermons as well as videos, books, and articles explaining various doctrines in the scriptural faith. For questions, you can also call 678-347-6240. That's 678-347-6240. Thanks for listening, and according to His will, may Yahweh richly bless.